0: Hey, on the day of the change of command, have your reception, and then go home. But if you go back to work, you have just set a tone for your organization that says, I don't value family. There's, there's nothing in the organization on the first day you're in command that is so pressing that you can't wait until the second day.
1: fellow leaders and welcome to the military leader podcast where you can find conversations with today's most successful leaders. I am Andrew Steadman and I know you've got a ton of options to help you on your professional development journey and I want to thank you for making the military leader podcast part of that journey. You can find this episode and lots of other great leader development content at themilitaryleader.com and then you can connect on Facebook and Twitter and join the conversation every day that's happening about leadership. All right, I think we're off to a great start here in the Military Leader Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the first two episodes. You know, General Robert Brown, commander of U.S. Army Pacific, really brought some incredible insights in that first episode. Lots of people have written and said how much they enjoyed it and enjoyed his positive leadership perspective. And then last week we had the unveiling, well, what was for some the unveiling, of Doctrine Man, a former Army colonel and strategist, Steve Leonard. He shared his lessons on life and leadership, but also gave the entire Doctrine Man story. So uh, if you're curious on how that unfolded, uh, definitely go back uh, to last week's episode and check it out. So for this week, I've got a friend of mine and a future brigade-level commander, Colonel Scott Shaw. Colonel Shaw is an Arkansas native, has done everything in the infantry that you would expect of a successful infantry officer. He commanded in the 10th Mountain. He did his uh, field grade time down at 1st Cav., He commanded a battalion, uh, the 3-7 infantry, the Cotton balers, down at Fort Stewart. And then most recently uh, spent some time at the Office of Congressional Legislative Liaison, OCLL, before going to uh, the Marine Corps War College. He is finishing up that program and will take command of the uh, Asymmetric Warfare Group next summer, where I know he will do well. And one other distinction I'd like to note is that Scott is the author with the longest guest post on the military leader, Last year, he sent me what amounted to a small book of lessons from his time as a battalion commander down at Fort Stewart. Now, you have got to read this. Um, It's over at TheMilitaryLeader.com, and you can search for uh, Lessons Battalion Command. The, The title is Two Years of Lessons from Battalion Command, or just search Scott's name, and you will find a very personal, very open, and expansive AAR on his time as a battalion commander that includes everything from the garrison leadership and administrative stuff to uh, tactical decision-making to how to build your teams, how to counsel, how to make sure you connect with soldiers. Um, I'm scrolling through it now. And there's just a, there's a ton of stuff here, uh, how to work, uh, make sure you max maximize your NCOs, how to do UCMJ. I mean, there's, there's a ton here. It's called two years of lessons from battalion command. And I talk about it with him a little bit, in the interview here in just a second but head on over to the website and check that out if you haven't already it will make you a better leader it'll make you a better commander i promise so a uh, great chat today um, hope you enjoy it without any further ado this is my interview with scott shaw so i want to dive right into uh, something a lot of folks out there um, might not have seen um, you consolidated the lessons from your two years in battalion command and shared them with your army network of leaders which I didn't think was just a fantastic thing to do. Uh you and I then worked together to turn that into a guest post for the military leader which got great feedback and reached nearly 15,000 people so far. Um, so it's I think it's really helping the force out there. You know, tell us like why you thought it was important to put so much effort into sharing those lessons.
0: So um so I started out with uh just thoughts that that I collected uh, and I did the AAR In three or four different distinct periods. I I did it uh, in about the first 180 days, uh, first year, and then just got kind of busy uh, with a rotation to Polk um, in the prep for that. I I did it because I I think that it's important to learn from other people. I mean, as a profession, we read a lot. We read a lot about leaders. We read a lot about units in action. We read a lot about... Um, strategy or operations or tactics, um, and I wanted to put a personal face on things that I'd learned. Uh, I think that at the at the basic course and at the career course, uh, the the number one thing when I was teaching at Sill that company commanders, future company commanders, future battery commanders wanted to talk about was not how to write an operations order or how to. How to interact with people, but the little things that tripped up commanders, things like Article 15s, things like uh, you know training plans, just specific nuts and bolts of things. And I, and you know the pre-command period is for most people somewhere between eight to fifteen months. Uh, and I what I wanted to do was was produce a document of the things that had tripped me up. Or the things that I'd been successful at, or thought I'd been successful at, or people had given me feedback to say, "Hey, this was successful," and and just push that back out to the to the greater form, to give give something back uh, to the to the greater community that that has given me so much.
1: Yeah, yeah. Had you received that over the course of your preparation for battalion command, and what kind of input did you get from mentors or peers before you went into command?
0: So um, so a lot um a, a lot of a lot of input um i i sought input uh as i think most almost probably almost all people do um from mentors that were you know my, my former brigade commander um is it is at cac now um and i talked to him about command and, and just collected some lessons um that that he had talked about like you know commander's not allowed to have a bad day um is, is a, is one that, that I had pulled from him. And there are several of them. Um, there were several general officers who had, who I had had interactions with, uh, general Rardi, who's the J eight, uh, before I left to go to battalion command had said, Hey, listen, I want you to set up a time, come in and talk to me. And we'll talk about battalion command. And it was one-on-one, uh, a, the a random lieutenant colonel from the corps staff talking to uh, a division commander because he was acting as a senior commander for Hood. Yeah, um, and there were several other uh, people that I had talked to, or, or things that I had pulled um, specific uh, information on battalion command from the the pre-command course. Um, series, so I I went to 11 first for the the two weeks of um, of the piece of the pre command course, and I did TCDP right after that, like back to back. Uh, I went to the maneuver pre command course about a month later, um, and there and I don't think it matters what um, series you go in. That seemed to work for me, just the way it. And it worked out by time, uh, by happenstance, but it, it kind of things kind of built upon each other. And I think that uh, I mean there there were several things in the functional pre-command course. Um, I think each leader that briefed us had some. Hey, these are some things that after command that I wrote down that made a lot of sense. The director of training uh, at Fort Benning had a really good list. Uh, General McMaster was the CG at, at uh, Benning at the time, and he had a list of command things that he'd had when he was uh, rifle six at, at 3CR, and when he was a squadron commander in Germany, and a series of <laughs> General McMaster. So you, you get, you know, he's he's going to mentor you um, a series of articles as well. That he'd pass down to guys, and the uh, and I think that the uh, the pre-command course. Uh, the week you spend with your spouse talking about building a team inside of your organization, and then the, the three weeks that, that follow that uh, gives you a good time to reflect on those uh, documents that you may have received from mentors before. But I think it's it's essential that you reach out to former commanders that you respect um, and and either face-to-face at you know, a place in D.C. if you're if you're stationed in the National Capital Region or um, on the phone or just on email and and, and have a dialogue with those uh, people that you have uh, in your life that are mentors.
1: Yeah. Now let me let me ask you about PCC. That's a it's an interesting topic. I think it's one of those things that you never really hear or know about until it's your time to go through it. And, and honestly, even leading up to it. I didn't really know what to expect, but I I felt a little bit of a pressure to get all the answers right while I was in PCC, you know, like all the command things, you better have it figured out by the time you leave, because when you step in, it's going to be off to the races and you're not going to be able to develop those kind of macro, you know, vision level ideas. Is that how you felt? Or what was your, what what was your intent leaving out of PCC?
0: Um, so, so yeah, I think, I think that the, I think that the PCC um, goal is for you to leave there with a, with a something, with to leave there with a product. I mean, this is the army and we do things. And at the end of the day, we're, we're asked to produce a product. It's not, um, it's not like when you have the staff come back to you and they say, okay, we have three courses of action. Here they are. It, it, and you say, well, which one do you recommend? Uh, I I, sir, I don't know. Here's the three courses of action. We, we came up, we came up with 75, but uh, you know, we narrowed it down to three because that's what the book says to do. Um. I think that the – so the PCC, the, the pre-command course wants you to um, t- to come with a product. When I showed up to the I – was, I, I was fortunate to have been dialoguing with my brigade commander uh, as I went to the pre-command course. And he said, look, w- what I would like to do is hold a uh, conference after the change of command to talk about how we want – our organization this brigade combat team to look what what uh goals we have what standards we're setting uh and i want to bring in company commanders and first sergeants so it's you know 68 uh c- captains and first sergeants the six battalion commanders and command sergeants major me and the command sergeant major um and at the three in the exit over there kind of the note takers but it was a command team session on on those goals and um, and standards that we wanted to have in in view of what he wanted to do. <clears throat> I, I complied with the instructions of PCC and, and I, I constructed a uh, a loose vision statement that, that was not um, not a, it was it was kind of guidance for the first couple three months of how, uh, you know, knowing that the unit was coming off of a rotation in Afghanistan, knowing that they'd taken leave, um, you know, hey, these are the kind of the three things that I want to focus on, um, and then I I I elaborated on that in a less than one-page memorandum. It wasn't a command philosophy. Um, it was it kind of things, things that, goals that I, and, and I passed that off to the brigade commander, these are the things that I, I think are uh, important. I've talked to the command sergeant major about these. Uh, he was coming in with me as well. And uh, and I think these are in line with the intent that you have. And I think that they're in line with what is the existing training guidance that I've seen from the division. Um, is, is this, you know, is this what you think as well? Uh, just to align, you know, align the vision, align the direction of the organization with the brigade and the divisions' uh, goals.
1: Now, are, th- are those like tra- are they training uh, training items, or are they priorities, or is it kind of command and leadership guidance? Do you remember? No, what it's,
0: it's it's more, it was more holistic. Um, you know, talking about values and um, you know the the purpose of the purpose of infantry battalion is to close with and destroy the enemy. That that straight out of the doctrine um th- this is what we are designed to do um we we need to be a values or based organization we treat people with dignity and respect just just a baseline hey, these are the standards that we are going to uphold and failing to meet this standard is not in line with our values and you will and there will be corrective action exceeding the standard is great and we want you to do that you know it's kind of simple but nothing that, that couldn't be course corrected um, to go toward toward a specific objective, at uh, uh, along the way.
1: Yeah, sure, sure, okay. So that I mean that conference that's something that was probably set the baseline for the entire organization going forward for the next two years, huh?
0: That that that's that's actually the uh, the uh, specific name of it. it was the baseline conference, and 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 just our our brigade commander uh, we started out with. Simon Sinek. Start with why. Um, he played a, the the TED talk from Simon Sinek. We we talked about it before. I'd read the book. A couple of the other battalion commanders had, you know, that this is, and we started out with the the golden circle. This is why the organization exists, and we created a statement based on that, and and, and worked our way out of it from there, um, and then held a second baseline conference uh, at the year marked, Hey, this is where we came from. And this is kind of where we're going, and this is the. These are the. Uh, this is the overarching why of the organization. These are the. These are what we do, um, and this is how we're going to get there. Um, to to do that, uh, I did that at the battalion command at the battalion level as well, um, with the officers in the in the second iteration, after command climate surveys and and, uh, and kind of after. After platoon live fires, after command climate surveys, at a in a break part break portion before we really ramped up in the in the uh, pre rotation training period.
1: Okay, okay. So take me back to those first uh, couple days, couple weeks in battalion command. What was on your priority list to get done? What impact did you want to have right off the bat?
0: Um, So uh, I, I think the battalion commander should be seen. I think that that. Um, so two, two points, point one, um, a, a mentor of mine my, my brigade commander, when I was a, a company commander and drum said battalion command is the last level of leadership where a soldier knows your voice in the dark. And, and that is absolutely 100% true. Um, I, I was, I was talking to my wife this morning about my brigade commander when I was a lieutenant, you know, thinking, th- thinking about. What it's going to be like in two years uh, when I'm when I am a commander again, um, and, and what a foreign concept a brigade commander was to a lieutenant. And I can imagine what a foreign concept <laughs> a brigade commander is to a soldier, um, unless you're the you know the brigade commander driver or you're in the brigade staff or, or something like that. Um, the battalion commander's got to be seen. If the battalion commander's not seen, and I mean seen in the motor pool um, on maintenance day because it is command maintenance. Uh, I mean, seen at PT doing it and doing it hard and doing it with a rifle platoon. I mean, seen on the range shooting uh, and hopefully shooting well. I mean, seen during a live fire right behind the uh, the assault squad. Um, I wouldn't say right behind the assault squad, but behind the lieutenant um,
2: <clears throat>
0: in uh, on a live fire. Uh, I mean, seen at CIF. Uh, or RFI, drawing your gear and putting it on, and pulling the string, and going through the same classes. I mean, seeing at sharp training and participating in it. Uh, I mean, seen in the dining facility, eating where the soldiers eat. I mean, seen, 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 seen. Um, and that doesn't mean you have to be there 24 hours a day, because clearly, so leaders need breathing space. Um, but I think that too many, uh, too many folks want to be hands off with. Um, hands off as a battalion commander. And I, and I don't think you can be that way. I, I, it doesn't mean you have to manage every single thing that goes on. Um, uh, and um, and I before I get into my scene diatribe, I, I think that so that Chairman Dunford talks about uh, battalion command is the last level of personal leadership, um, which is, which tails onto that. Uh, he, he elaborates better than the, uh, uh, the last level that, that soldiers know your voice in the dark. It's the it's it's the last level of personal leadership. It's the last level uh, that you will know personal, intimate details about soldiers. Um, and I mean, I remember being a company commander, knowing soldiers' birthday, like not in roll decks, not in a piece of paper spreadsheet, whatever. Soldier birthdays, soldier anniversaries, wives' names, kids' names, and talking to them when we're on patrol. And and I could do that as a battalion commander. I mean, it's because you got eight hundred soldiers, you don't have a hundred and 15. um but it is still a level of personal leadership where you see things that affect soldiers personally and you can get personally involved in things that uh, pay problems I mean, you can use your rank to to help soldiers out in a in a rapid uh, immediate succession um, I got the phone and calling the director of human resources at uh, the third Infantry division saying, Hey, this is Lieutenant Colonel Shaw. on the time commander three, seven, which I I was again um, on a daily basis. And, uh, and there's a pay problem. So, Oh, sure. Let me fix that right now. I've got this and I got that. And I mean, it is a personal kind of thing. Um, So I mean, that, that was the the number one thing is I wanted to be seen. Um, The, the, uh the number two thing as a battalion commander in the first couple of weeks is um is i I wanted to to see the organization um as much as i possibly could i wanted to get uh briefs from the companies in their company areas so we had a split cp the the battalion headquarters was in a building uh with the brigade headquarters all all six battalions were in one building and there were outlying uh, company operations facilities, the COFs, that uh, that the companies were in, and we were a mile, three quarters of a mile down uh, from from uh, where the company COFs were.
1: That's a pretty good distance away.
0: It, it is. Um, it is if you may, if you let it. Um, the sergeant major and I had an office that were that was down in the COFs, um, and we would work out of there a couple of days a week. Uh, had a computer hookup. Have everything I needed. Um, if I needed to do work or whatever, uh, I made it a point not to hold meetings in the battalion headquarters uh, unless I absolutely had to. Um, so we do weekly closeouts uh, right by the the pull-up bars down by the company coffs. We do uh, training meetings down where the companies were at. We would do uh, command and staff down where the companies were at. Um, and like I said, I had an office down there that had a gear locker that I could put my stuff in. I left my door open all the time so I could kind of hear what was going on in the hallways. You just get a just get a sense of the chatter um, of what's going on. So you know what normal sounds like. So you know what normal doesn't sound like. Um, but to see as much of the organization as I could, um, to walk through the cops. And, I mean, to walk through with a couple, I mean, not, not a dog and pony show, but me and the company commander and the first sergeant and the sergeant major walking around and just talking. Hey, what's going on? In your companies are concerned about. I know you only live in for like 30 days. Tell me your woes. Tell me your successes. Tell me how your property's looking. You know, are, are you looking? Um, how's your maintenance? Okay, what's the deal with this vehicle? Um, and just having a dialogue with the company command, How how are your unit commander's financial reports coming? Are you able to turn that in a less than 15 or 30 day period so that the soldier gets paid correctly? Now, where are the sy- systemic and systematic problems in the organization that, that um, my two field grade officers, the battalion's two field grade officers can fix it. Um, because they're, I mean, as a battalion commander, as you know, you can fix a lot of things in a rapid uh, measure with the amount of horsepower you have on your staff that company commanders will frankly beat their heads into the wall trying to solve.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So, yeah. I've also found that there's a balance there too. I've, I've caught myself pausing and saying, "Is this something that I that I really need to dive in and fix, or what is the backstory that you know might be there?" Because uh, you're right, you can jump in and, and solve those problems, um, you know. And and you mentioned in your a lessons of AARs or um, your uh, your AAR of lessons from command that you didn't solve all your commander's problems. So how did how did you balance what to jump in? and solve versus something that may, that they might learn more from if they did their own.
0: The, the hardest, that is the hardest thing, uh, in command. It was for me. I mean, I won't say this for everybody because we spend a lot of time as staff officers serving commanders and, um, you, you know, you, there you are, hands on hips, dun, I'm here to solve problems. Um, and, and, you know, and I, and I sat there and thought, to myself, of all the things that I learned um, as a lieutenant, as a captain, whether they were deliberate or happenstance, the best ones I learned were ones I learned on my own. It was there was no, um, I mean, there wasn't a magic. You know, somebody comes down and says, "See, here's the lesson." Um, I mean, I, I came to a conclusion on my own, and it's hard. It's hard as a lieutenant colonel because you have Two good field grades who have uh, intermediate level education, probably have a master's degree. One of them probably went to SAMs. You have two very senior non-commissioned officers um, that can solve anything, that can solve anything for you. Um, but sometimes you just have to let the company commanders figure it out for themselves so that when they're field grades, um, you know, there there is a lot of uh amongst amongst my peers and I would say um you know among uh colonels that I have talked to um and and, and I've heard you know there's a there's a thought that current company commanders and field grades and I I would say probably the field grades have a hard time with training management because they never had to do it. Um, And it you know the the hey there's a contractor on the range there's ammo there just walk out to it and you can shoot hey there's you know this live fire you show up you shoot you leave you know the the Kuwait during kind of thing when we had tight timelines um the uh and 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 there's some there's some truth to that there's not a, there's not uh the lost art of training management it's not a lost art it it is a uh, it's something we're relearning um you know, we didn't have we didn't have handheld smoke the first time we did platoon live fires. Is that going to kill the live fire? No. Um, was I slightly disappointed in it? Yes. Um, was it realistic? It was really. You know, I mean, it's it was a great teaching moment for the ammo NCO, the S three, the XO, uh, the company commanders, because they were you know and it, it just growing another generation of. Of guys, you know? <clears throat> so, uh, I mean, I think the same thing with company commanders, they, they, they need to learn things on their own or else they're, they're going to struggle, um, when they are, um, when they are field grades and battalion commanders.
1: Oh yeah. That's, I was just going to say, that's where your BC and then your engagement comes in. Cause if you have a constant feel for what they're struggling with, you can help, Coach them through it without necessarily solving it for them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um,
1: so, as you were looking at your assessment of the battalion, uh, you know, one of the things you mentioned that you had to that you identified as a problem that you had to inspect is counseling, and I think counseling is one of those things that maybe is not the first thing in our inspection list. There are plenty of other metrics that um, that we're responsible for. You know, maintaining. But on the flip side, counseling is one of the things that people will cite is something doesn't happen often enough. You know, So so what did you find or what cued you in that counseling was a problem and then how did you fix it in the battalion?
0: So um, I had to remove a leader and I, I went to the leader's supervisor and I said, okay, um, you want me to remove this leader? I'd like to see his counseling packet. And the leader said, uh, well, I verbally counseled him a couple of times and I said, look, this is a performance matter. This is not, I mean, there's a difference between a legal or moral infraction that, that causes the removal relief or reassignment of a leader. That that's easy that because there's paperwork that comes either on the legal side or, or in the civilian side. Um, I mean, that's one of those, it, it's an easy one. But when it's a performance based, um reassignment or removal or or relief, then I I need someone to show me a pattern that that it did happen and that there was corrective action taken. Um so so here's my here's my philosophy on uh kind of my thought, I wouldn't say it's a philosophy, on lieutenants, um and I would say the same thing about probably platoon sergeants and, and squad leaders. At some point for four years Of ROTC or an academy um, or for the time that a soldier went through his enlisted his or her enlisted service and then went to OCS a group of leaders not one or two but multiple certified that person to be wearing that gold bar or wearing that silver bar and I think that as a As a battalion commander, because you, you as a battalion commander are telling the army that this person should be a captain. You pick captains Um, that they're you, you, the battalion commander and the company commander need to either one give specific course correction guidance to that officer and steer. Hey, these are the things that you're falling short on. I need you to do the following things to get back into compliance there's counseling one counseling two hey you're still not missing making this here are the course corrections again and then counseling three then you can take some take some action but the fact that someone has taken four years of time at an academy or at rotc or enlisted service plus 16 weeks of ocs and the basic course and said that they were ready to be a commission officer um unless there's something illegal or immoral I, I think you owe it to the officer and you owe it to the army um, to 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 go repetitive uh on those counselings and that just didn't happen um, and and i you know and I dug back and I've been in command for about seven months I've been watching this particular leader for a while um and and it all Yes, I understand that. But now I understand what the failure is in in my house and we need to fix this right now. So I'd like I'd like leaders at this grade to bring a you know, I, I would like to see this person's counseling statement packet, this person's counseling packet, this person's counseling packet. Um, so it's not you picking the best one. Just bring me what I tell you to bring me. Um, and. I mean, I didn't go through it for for grammar or sentence structure, you know, but to make sure that the the mandatory counseling was being conducted. Um, it it is uh, it is our requirement to counsel, um, and when we don't do it, then we're not. I don't think we're doing. I think we're doing a disservice to the soldier. We're doing a disservice to the Army.
1: Mm -hmm. What results did you get from that? Did you find it improved to the situation?
0: I did. Um, But like everything else, you know, there are, uh, I'm, I'm excited to see the results of our army's look at uh, mandatory and, and other training to see what gets cut. Um, Because there are, there are um, X, number of training days required by ar 350-1 and other training documents there are x minus uh, another number of days in a calendar you know if you take a 360 day calendar of the year and then take weekends and leave and everything else out of it we, we are over the number of training days um that are available and and things like counseling uh things like I mean how many how many times do we pinch PME out of uh out of NCOs? I mean how many staff sergeants did you know that hadn't been to WLC? Or, or I mean I'm not talking about going to ALC, I'm talking about WLC that, that specialists that PFCs can go to. You know, and and the same thing can be said for property accountability, can be said for counseling can be said for um, for any number of things that are necessary for our Army to maintain the readiness that is required of our nation. Um, those things get pinched out because there are other pressing requirements. And and that's something as a battalion commander that I had to go back to. Uh, a friend of mine said, look, if you emphasize something on day one, you've got to emphasize it on day 180, day 365. Day 540 um, and probably the last 90 days uh, because because it's one of those things that if you don't keep saying it, that um, people want to do what the organization is driving after. And there are those, those things that are housekeeping that have to be done, and you have to remind people that they have to be done or else they don't get done because something else becomes a
1: priority. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Well, kind of in line with that, uh, you know, on the, not just the poor performance side, but think about, you know, the junior leaders that's, that, you know, you're evaluating, what's the first quality that you look for in in assessing, you know, the the future of a junior leader?
0: So I will go with uh, what I would, what I would assess as a battalion commander. Um, I think that a willingness to learn and I think that a desire to be in the organization are um are two of the most important things. Um a desire to be part of that which you are uh that, that which you are part of um for for lieutenants. Um I, I think too often we uh we look at badges, we look at hey this guy this guy is running uh, as fast as he can. Those are important. Um, but they're not the most important i mean i do I think that a platoon leader should go to ranger school? Yes, i do would-, would I as a battalion commander put a lieutenant into a platoon without a ranger tab? Yes, I would um because I, he can get that later um because I don't know where in five years that brand new lieutenant is gonna be um but right now he needs to be a platoon leader and he needs to learn his craft or her craft um, so I think that a willingness to learn uh and a willingness to be part of the organization are the two most important things uh or one one into willingness to learn and willingness to be be part of that organization and not not my platoon um but you know the platoon is part of a company, it's part of a battalion i mean you got to see you got to be able to see two levels up um, in order to be successful at, 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 in any organization um, and the higher you go, the higher you got to be able to see. I mean, company commanders have got to see how they fit inside of the division sometimes.
1: Yeah, for sure. So when you think about those junior leaders, uh, you know, and and a willingness to learn and an eagerness to learn is is high on the list. What does it look like for? Let's just take a young lieutenant, a platoon leader. What does? What should his or her professional development routine be? Like what? What information? What sources? what research should they be doing to, to get better and grow?
0: So, um, so I think, uh, I think a number of things. Um, So I think by, so I made a chart um, when I was in the pre-command course. Hey, this is what I think that leader development will look like for, um, for a lieutenant that shows up. And it was, it was a sticklet thing, um, you know, for, and and I think, I think a battalion commander, I mean, the battalion commander is going to be thinking down two levels to, to what, De- what development ought to look like and the command sergeant major is going to be doing the same thing i think uh, the command sergeant major is going to help out first sergeants too to to look at what squad leaders ought to be developing um i think that there are posi- there are gates positions um that lieutenants have got to hold you know they've got to be a leader of some sort whether it's a platoon leader or something i mean i can't i can't look at um uh, a, a bsb or or a CSSB and figure out what that is. But in an infantry battalion, you got to be a platooner. You need to do some time on the staff. You need to do some kind of specialty platoon. And whether that's, you know, if you're in an infantry, an IBCT, that's a a D company platoon, like a weapons platoon or uh, scouts or mortars or, um, or some sort of, I made a truck platoon. I need we needed to be mobile Uh, and we had extra trucks. Uh, We were doing the turn in um, the, the, loss of a truck company inside of uh, the BSB kind of hampered the mobility of the brigade. Uh, We weren't getting the CSSB. They were on a different timeline from us. So I made a truck platoon. um, And then that became a specialty platoon. Um, And uh, so I think that from the top, I think there's got to be a development of positions from the bottom. I I think that a Lieutenant, if a Lieutenant does not have a book in their hand um, that, that they need to seriously consider getting one in their hand um i think a lieutenant uh, number one a lieutenant needs to be with their platoon all the time like I, I don't need lieutenants doing lieutenant pt i don't need lieutenants doing um okay lieutenant launch every now and then it's fine um but i need lieutenants being with squad leaders learning about the javelin lieutenants learning learning their craft learning how uh the flow of parts comes from the arms room to the to the equipment, checking their equipment, making sure that it works and their equipment in your equipment to make sure that they know how it works and how to function it, you know, how the machine gun physically works, how it goes on the tripod, how it comes off the tripod, how the sight fits on. I mean, the technical aspects and and reading the TMs, and I don't mean memorizing them, but looking at the at the technical manuals to make sure that they are technically proficient. I think that a lieutenant, should be tactically proficient and that doesn't mean just reading uh, the infantry rifle platoon and squad or the infantry company but taking a look at historical examples of infantry platoons and infantry companies and there are several books um, there's one called the killing zone which is one that i go back to probably once a year about a platoon in vietnam um, looking at band of brothers looking at Uh, Dick Winter's autobiography, looking at there's a British uh, company that um, Steve Ambrose wrote about called the Pegasus Bridge, D D company of the Oxfordshire and Buckinghamshire Infantry. You know, looking at every aspect of tactical employment of companies. And then taking a look at some tactical uh, employment of battalions because the because the platoon is part of a company. Which is part of a battalion. There are plenty of times when platoons have gotten separate missions um, that they've had to. You know, the lieutenant has got to figure out how to talk to the battalion, um, or the lieutenant's got to figure out how to take over the company because the company commander uh, is killed or wounded or taken out of action, and the XO is not in position to, to take over. Um, so I think that lieutenants need to be looking at um, the the tactical employment of platoons companies and battalions out of history and 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 furthermore i mean each organization is tied to a region of some sort whether it's pacific command or uh european command or central command or southern command so i think that lieutenants ought to um i don't know anyone that has a flip phone um at all i I mean i know that there's probably one person that has a flip phone every lieutenant has a smartphone every lieutenant has an ipad um most platoons have got computers i mean i think a lieutenant ought to know kind of what's going on in their in their aor um so you know get on the economist get on um i mean go deeper than go deeper than cnn headline news go go deeper into um you know bbc uh africa or bbc asia or bbc europe al jazeera something regional um and and look at that and and, and while you're on the computer um i think that there are a number of blogs and i'll, I'll give uh shameless plug for themilitaryleader.com um i think that's a great one uh so so good on you drew um and you're winging it at, at uh at Fort Leavenworth. I think Joe Byerly's blog is really good, um, for, for lieutenants, uh, and, and captains, I mean, and, and frankly for field grades too. And I, I, read both of them, uh, pretty religiously. Um, but there are a, uh, three by five leadership is another one, um, off the top of my head. I can't think of them. There, there are a number of them. Um, and if you look at the bottom of any of the three of those, there are either podcasts, or links to a series of uh, ideas um, that are out there on the internet um, that, that talk about leadership. So I, so I would say technical, tactical from a from a doctrine perspective, tactical from an employment perspective, regional knowledge, and then general uh, general leadership um, information or knowledge uh, are the about the five things. That a, that a young lieutenant uh, or even a, an old lieutenant or a captain or a lieutenant colonel uh, should be looking at.
1: Yeah, for sure. Now yeah, those resources are, they are, it's neat to see how those outlets are growing. Uh, Particular, you know, Strategy Bridge is just doing some some really great things in, in developing the writing and the, in the uh, not only the writing community, but the conversation around security issues and, and strategy. Uh, but you also have like the leaders huddle podcast, up at at Kaldol and, and they're talking directly to junior leaders. I think the atmosphere of, of sharing those lessons, um, I mean, as evidenced by, you know, the, the, the small book that you wrote on battalion command, um, that is, is something that we are, it feels like it's in, it feels like it's starting to expand, you know, like the people, more people are doing that. Um, and I, and, so there's no shortage of resources, you know, as you said. So, but what is? So I'd like to ask you, what is your professional development routine? I mean, what's your what's your morning look like? When when do you set aside time to to learn and grow?
0: So um, I struggle with that, um, and that's one of the things that uh, you know in these in these pre-command uh, course um, in but in battalion command, there there are several periods where you get. Uh, Evaluations, whether they're 360 evaluations or uh, truncated 360 evaluations or something. Um, And I've been through MSAT 360 a couple of times, uh, True Growth. Um, I've done a couple of more. We we just finished one up here at the the War College um, that the National Defense University did. And that was was actually one of the questions that uh, we we get formal coaching um, uh, through through the War College and that was one of the things that um that the coach recommended hey listen you, you do a lot of the question is when when are you doing um like what's your what's your battle rhythm for a morning um i i will admit that like i get on my email the first thing to to make sure that nothing is in a blow up or whatever um the uh and, and i have not uh, I've not set aside a time in the morning to do that. So generally, it's you know, get up, uh, get into work, check email, putter around for a little bit, do PT. Uh, when I was in battalion command, come back, do personal hygiene. I kind of left the lunch period open um, for for professional development, for reading. Um, if if I could if I could do it again. I would probably back that off about a half hour and block an hour to thirty, and I would block an hour um, to to sit there and think and uh, and read. Um, it's I know it's hard in battalion command, it's hard in command to to um, it's a hard balance in command to to get that professional development or um, or do some things there is no end to work uh, as as you and many people know um so it, it's a struggle i mean it's a struggle every day to to get that in
1: yeah and you mentioned something there about blocking the time which is it reminds me of something i read recently that you know we schedule courses and we send people to training to do some of the technical aspects of their job uh, but then we you know, some of us, a lot of folks would scoff at someone who sets aside an hour to read on something professional developing, you know, leadership or, you know, maybe history or whatnot. And I mean, what if, you know, a lot of people would look at that as wasted time. Uh, but on the flip side, it's probably where we should be spending our time.
0: I think if you're not blocking time, you're probably not doing the right thing. Colin Powell talks about when your soldiers stop bringing you their problems, you cease becoming a leader. I think there's a line between between that and, Um, and, and developing yourself professionally, I think, and and I I have been guilty of, well, this soldier, I probably need to, I need to, you know, take care of, um, at the expense of, okay, um, what am I doing, um, to, I, what what I have done to make myself better at developing myself professionally is, okay, this is what I'm going to read this week. And this is how I'm going to break it up. Um and i'm not uh and I've come to terms with when I come home from work i'm not gonna read i'm gonna spend time with my family uh i'm gonna cook dinner i'm or i'm gonna be with my wife when she's cooking dinner uh, or i'm gonna go to uh swim with um our son or i'm gonna go to scouts I mean i'm not I'm not going to um, do something. Uh, I'm not going to sit in bed and read for an hour uh, before we turn the lights out. I, I've got other uh, other priorities to do. Um, I think that our army wants us to develop professionally, so I would challenge uh, anyone who said that you know reading a history book, um, or or frankly uh, reading something of professional development uh, science fiction wise. So if you're reading ghost fleet or, uh, I just finished autonomous, um, which is,
1: a Oh, I had heard of that one.
0: It's good. Um, I mean, I think if you're reading that at your desk, that that's not that big of a deal. I, I think, it, no, I think that that's good. It's not, it's not a big deal. I think that that's good. I think if you are, um, if you're reading something professional, if you are reviewing, um, some presentation, watching a TED talk, um, listening to a podcast, um, or frankly, I mean, I think at some point, um, if you are not reflecting on things, I mean, like go out of the cough, uh, go out of your battalion headquarters, take a cup of coffee with you, go sit on a bench and just, and put your book, your green book in your lap empty open clean page and think and really really think deep these are the they know about this is one thing that i really want to get done in the next six months personally professionally um in the organization if you come back with one thing after that hour um the as uh, the book i read i don't know it's, it's a couple of months ago was uh Mike Irwin's lead yourself first. Um, I mean, sit there and just think deep about um, what it is that you want to get done. I don't need a to-do list or knocking out your to-do list tasks or crossing off the to-do list tasks. But, you know, I really have been thinking about um, how we get after – how we better get after values in this organization. Here's some things that I, you know, and then bring that back in and talk to your command or major. That's an, as an hour, um, if as a taxpayer, I would pay, I would say that, uh, I'll, I'll spend my tax dollars on that.
1: So. Yeah. Right. Right. No, that's great. That's, that's really good advice. Um, here in, in my battalion, we have the fortunate, uh, pastime tradition, uh, to go out and throw the tomahawk. So that ends yeah. up being my me and my command sergeant major's getaway time is to go out there and just chat about what's going on and throw tomahawks for a little while. Um, and that feels like professional development to me. Uh, I don't care I what anybody else so. thinks. <laughs> I, I think it is. Um, I mean, I
0: think, you know, you're strengthening a relationship. You're strengthening one of the most important relationships uh, in an organization. I mean, that yeah. it's a command team for a reason.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah, well, that's good. Well, Scott, let me ask you one more question and you and you kind of hit on it when you were talking about your family. Um, and it's just the challenge of balancing the work and the personal time. Um, you know, so what's been your approach and what would you tell leaders who are juggling just all the tasks that we have at the battalion and company level uh, to do it? How do you keep your sanity amid, amongst all that?
0: So uh, when I was when I was at uh, Fort Lewis, I was fortunate uh, to work in the Corps headquarters. Um, I worked for – I was the, the deputy commanding general's aide, um, and the, the commanding general was Tom Hill, who was the South Com commander after he left there. Uh was a company commander uh, in Vietnam and is just one of my favorite uh, leaders of all time. Um, and he came around the corner uh, to talk to his aide, and he said, what are you doing? Oh, sir, I've got all these things that i got to do. And he looked at me and said – Rob, all that work is going to be there in the morning. Let's get out of here. And and he he had elaborated on that. Uh, I was present for a conversation. He elaborated on that before. I don't think that it is a good idea for you to you as a commander. You don't need to let things languish in your inbox forever. However, uh, it's going to be there in the morning. Uh, and you need to figure out your personal battle rhythm so that you are able to. Um, Accomplish the things that you need to get done, um, while still maintaining a positive relationship with yourself, uh, your immediate family, and uh, and your extended family. And I mean your soldiers and your leaders. Um, when uh, when I was at the pre-command course, um, my wife and I sat down and said, okay, this is how uh, we intend to operate over the next couple of years. Um, we will not miss a kid's event for something that is absolutely not life changing. Um, if, if I have to be at platoon life fires, I cannot be at our daughter's dance recital. However, um, if I am not in the field and I am, uh, at, um, You know, if it's a normal garrison kind of day, then I will come home at 530 or maybe I'll leave at four or 430. Um, And I will go out the front door so that the staff duty sees me and calls the battalion to attention because that gets everyone attention too. It's not a, it's not a uh, self-serving kind of thing, but everyone goes, hey, Mm -hmm. I just left.
1: Yeah. Boss is leaving. Yeah.
0: Uh, Right. Um, And if there's a range, I might come back at midnight um if it's something that I really need to be at but I probably don't um but I'm going to go to that dance recital for our eight-year-old um because all of that paperwork that's in your inbox is going to be there in the morning um and at the end of the day our army uh is going to continue to march uh and be victorious on every battlefield that it it fights um without scott shaw or drew steadman there will be a group of leaders who are field grades right now who will be battalion commanders in four years um and a group of battalion commanders who will be brigade commanders in four years that are not us um and the army will continue to be successful at at the end of the day i intend to walk up that parade field at whatever whatever day it is that that uh, i retire from this army with my wife and my two kids um and that's and that's how my wife and I um and we the how how we intended to serve our army as a, as a family team um and we put those things up on uh they give you a, a white piece of paper or like a poster board or a, a easel board um and I still have it uh in our house um you know we ate lunch uh, once a week together, I would go to my wife's office, uh, and I would bring her lunch. Um, like I would leave at 11:15, and I would come back about one and we would sit and talk about, uh, very little of work and a lot of, Hey, what about Aiden? And how about Lucy? And, um, you know, this is what we're thinking about. Uh, uh I think that you have to block off very specific times for vacation. Um, and you need to take them. Um, and you need to focus on vacation and don't focus on that BlackBerry that every commander has. Um, because if somebody, if something is truly that important, they'll call your personal cell phone. Um, and you need to disconnect and you need to get some time to some time to recharge your batteries.
1: Uh, yeah. And so does your yeah. yeah. So I feel like uh, at least personally, we're kind of representing the backlash to the, You know the previous ten or fifteen years with the introduction of email and the BlackBerry and all that, and I, I mean, I came in and told the formation and told the XO. I said, "Hey, you're going to hate me, but I'm not going to answer. I'm not. I'm not answering emails when I'm at home. If you want me, you call me." I said, "Uh, "But you guys are. You're really important to me. But you're um, you're a close second. You know, family's number one. You guys are a close second. And uh, and so when I'm home, I'm going to be home. Uh, But that's good that you're that that you're setting that example for your team.
0: And I, I would give one one final piece of advice. Uh, since it is, is the final question, hey, on the day of the change of command, have your reception and then go home. Because if you go back to work, you have just set a tone for your organization that says, I don't value family. There's, there's nothing in the organization on the first day you're in command that is so pressing that can't wait until the second day. And you probably have family in town. And if not, you have your wife and your kids. Um, and if you don't if you 're not married, you probably have uh somebody um and even then if you don't the sergeant major who just came in he probably does um, and if he didn 't come in with you, he can go spend time with his wife um or her or, or her husband or whatever um and I, I just i think you you 've got to set that tone early um there are times in an organization when you absolutely have to be there um but there are a lot of times when you absolutely don't. And and that's when leaders are developing themselves and making decisions. Um, if, if we weren't about developing leaders, then the battalion commander would pull battalion staff duty and the command sergeant major would be his runner.
1: Yeah. Right. Um, or the assistant staff right.
0: duty and CO. I mean, I, that, or he'd be the staff duty and CO. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I just, you know, you, you've got to set time for yourself um, to, to take care of yourself, to take care of your family. Um, because there are times when, when you must, uh, push the pedal to the, to the metal.
1: Wow. That's uh that's great advice, Scott. And, uh, thank you for that. And thank you for our chat today. Uh, you've shared a ton of insight and you're, I mean, again, the, what you wrote uh, for all of us out there trying to take, you know, moving into the next step, uh, you know it's battalion command but it applies to company command it applies to leadership in general and uh, I know lots of people have benefited from it and um, you know and so we you know we thank you for reinvesting in the force in that and, and congratulations on recent successful area uh, selection for command uh, it's going to be exciting I know you got your your wish list but I know that any opportunity to command at that level has got to be pretty exciting so it congratulations is. it really that. is Thanks, you Yeah. Well, thanks so much, Scott. Again, uh, appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk soon. Take care. Thanks. All right. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Colonel Scott Shaw. You know, after getting to know Scott a little bit and doing this interview with him, I really get the sense that he's a leader that's reliable and that people appreciate. Thanks for taking the time, Scott, and congratulations on your command. We look forward to seeing you take command of AWG next summer. Okay, for next week's episode on the Military Leader Podcast, I'm honored to have one of the most successful leaders in the Army today and a mentor of mine, Brigadier General Ross Kaufman. General Kaufman is currently a Deputy Commanding General in the 1st Infantry Division and was most recently the Commander of the Operations Group at the National Training Center. So he has got a ton to share. You'll want to have your notebooks out for this one. Here's a little sneak peek at my conversation with General Ross Kaufman.
2: By and large, you're spending... Uh, a disproportionate amount of time with your soldiers than you are with your family. You know, we, we have to get beyond, uh, you know, we we're entitled as leaders and these are our subordinates that are faceless, nameless. And what we have to do is we got to learn who they are. We got to uh, totally uh, understand what their strengths and weaknesses are, how we can develop them to be better. And, you know, anyone that, on, anyone that says on day one, boy, I love you guys. Well, that's not true because you don't know them. But get to know and care about your soldiers more than you care about yourself. And, uh, you know, it's semantics at that point. But I, I think that loving your soldiers and making sure that they're uh, trained and ready for combat is absolutely paramount.
1: General Kaufman delivers a ton of great advice in that interview. Be sure to look for it next week. And if you haven't done so, head over to themilitaryleader.com and subscribe by email. That way you get notified every time the latest episode comes out. Music from this episode was composed by Ilya Rayovsky. Thanks for listening and lead well.